So today, I'm going to talk about fear. Fear is an interesting emotion, right? We all experience it at different times. And I don't know when you've been most afraid in your life. I've had a couple of experiences where I felt um, fear, fear for myself, fear for other people. And most of them involve going on trips with my brothers. Uh, My brothers and I, if we get out and go on a trip together, somehow always end up dealing with some federal law enforcement agent one way or the other, whether to rescue us or to uh, rescue us and then fine us or something like that. Uh, And I remember uh, an opportunity where where we were in the Grand Canyon and my brother almost died. And I I looked at my brother who was lying on the floor of the Grand Canyon, um, heat exhaustion and overexertion. And I thought, this this is not good, right? I was scared for my brother and he got life flighted out of the Grand Canyon. Got a free helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon, by the way. That's paid for by you taxpayers out there. Um, but, but he got a free helicopter. And I remember in that moment thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so scared for my brother Jason, right? It's a scary, scary thing. Another time I went camping with my brothers and we were uh, going kind of a, to camp and canoe trips. So we were going down the Delaware Gap, Delaware River, um, between Pennsylvania and I guess Delaware. I don't know. Um, we were going down there and we were maybe, maybe Jersey technically. We we're going down the river and uh, we decided to camp on an island in the middle of the Delaware River, and uh, we set up shop, and we feel like everything's good, and it's nice kind of like flat, laid out stuff. And then uh, our brains, right, your brain starts to think when you're camping, right? You don't think like this when you're in civilization, even Rockdale civilization, you don't think like this. But when you get out into the woods, your brain starts to process things a little bit differently. And we start to think about like where we set our tent, and we set our tent on a, like a nice, it was clear, it was flat, like the grass was good, and it looked like people had been camping there before, like everything was set up. But then we started to think about the fact there was like a pathway that led perfectly there, and that, that hadn't been like that island wasn't a campsite. And then we started going through like the whole bear situation up in that region, of, and there's, there's some good-sized bears up there. Um, and we heard that night, it was a good, good night as we laid on the, the bear path, um, we, we hear this large animal uh, just, just outside of our tent messing with our stuff, and we think, we're, we're going to die out here. Like, I'm going to be on the news, you know, minister goes to camp and gets mauled by a bear, right? That's a good headline out there, right? And, and you have fear, right? Fear for your own life. Fear is, a, fear is a weird thing. It gets inside of us, and it makes us, makes us behave irresponsibly, a lot of us, we, we make most of our life decisions because of fear. We're scared of running out of money, so we, we store things up in, in, in a specific way, or we're scared of what people will think of us if we do this, so we do these things instead. Fear is a weird motivator for the human psyche, but it's a dangerous thing. And you know, if you look throughout Scripture, over and over again, fear is mentioned, but, but typically it's mentioned with the don't fear. Right? When an angel appears, people are scared, and we, we, we think that's interesting because we see angels as like fluffy little things that go on top of wedding cakes. Right? But angels are pretty powerful, violent people. Right? I mean, when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent an angel to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. These aren't like, like your storybook characters. Right? So when you see an angel, it's a scary thing. But their words of peace are fear not. You don't need to be afraid. Right? You're where you're supposed to be. So today I want, I want to encourage you as we think about fear to know that God doesn't desire you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live your whole life scared of everything and live reactively. Uh, he wants you to live in peace. That's why Jesus takes the title of Prince of Peace. We're going to be reading today in Mark chapter 4 starting in verse 35. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. 
Matthew, then Mark, um, and then you're followed by Luke and John and a bunch of other things. But Matthew, Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 4, and we're reading about Jesus Christ, what Jesus did, how Jesus lived, where Jesus went, what Jesus was up to. And so Jesus is about to, he had just finished teaching about the kingdom of God. He had just taught about how the kingdom of God is going to grow mysteriously and massively, and nothing can stop God's kingdom from growing. And immediately after that, this is what happens. It says, on that day, verse 35 says, so that very day that he had finished teaching, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, his 12 disciples, let's go across to the other side. The other side of what? Well, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a weird term, by the way, Sea of Galilee. I lived in Livingston, Texas for, I don't know, three years, two years, I guess. Uh, and Li Lake Livingston is the same dimensions as the Sea of Galilee, okay? So if you've been to Lake Livingston and you kind of put that in your mind, like that's the, the length and the width, length and the width uh, of Lake Livingston is the same basic dimensions of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is much deeper, um, but it's basically just a lake. It's a good-sized lake, and Jesus, and it was with his disciples, says, hey, let's go to the other side of this lake, get away from where we're at, and let's go. So, so, so they said, okay, and verse 36 says, in leaving the crowd, they, the disciples, took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with them. And then a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, but he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep, on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were feared, filled with fear. And they said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. All right, so this is a story that probably if you've been in church for, for, for a good portion of your life, you've heard the story before, right? Jesus uh, goes out on the boat with his disciples, uh, and after a long day of teaching and ministering, he says, man, I just want a nap, right? That's what I want to do. After I teach, I want to take a nap. Every Sunday afternoon, I go home, and I take a nap. So this Sunday afternoon, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go next door, and I'm going to have a Valentine's dinner, and it's going to cut into my nap. Right? And so by the time Valentine's dinner is over, I'm going to be grumpy, right? I'm going to be a little bit lethargic, but I'm going to get my nap. That's my plan, right, kids? I'm going to get my nap at the end of this thing. Right? And so Jesus has been teaching all day, and I would imagine, I don't know, right? but I imagine that when Jesus teaches, he probably uses as much energy as I do or thereabouts. And so he's wore out after a long day of teaching these, these people who are tough to, tough to hear anyways. He's got to explain everything six times before they get it. And so he's exhausted. And they go out onto the water. And if you've ever been on a boat, right, that, that motion, right, that's what we do to babies, right? We just kind of rock them, right? We try to rock them to sleep. And then if we rock them enough, we're like, hey, we got this kid to sleep. That's what Jesus, Jesus went in there, felt the water going up and down, and said, man, I'm out. He's like, I'm not. Y'all got the boat. I'm going to sleep. And so he goes down there. And immediately, as I know, or very shortly after he goes to sleep, the storm kicks up. And if you've been on a lake before, when the weather turns, man, it's scary. Right, I mean, and I think of Lake Livingston because Lake Livingston is a shallow lake. If the wind, anytime the wind kicked up in Livingston, Texas, that lake was treacherous to be on. You'd want to get off that immediately because it kicks up and the wind starts going and the waves come over. It doesn't matter what boat you're in, you're going to get thrown around. And so these are experienced fishermen. A lot of Jesus' disciples, remember, he went and caught, found his disciples when they were fishing. Right? These are guys who have been on this specific uh, sea their whole lives. And so he goes to them. 
uh, and they're the guys in charge of the boat, but man, they recognize real quick, this storm is not good. And the way the storm is described is the exact sort of words that's going to describe the next miracle Jesus is going to do, which is when he heals a demon-possessed man and the thing, right? The idea is that this storm was kind of a demon-possessed storm. So it wasn't even like a normal squall. It wasn't like a normal weather pattern. It was like, where did this come from? This is a storm from hell. Literally, this is not a good storm for us to be in. So they're in there, waves are coming, things are going bad, they get their little buckets out, and they're bailing. I don't know what they're doing, right? The Bible doesn't tell us, we can make it up, right? And so they're doing all these things, they're working real hard to keep the boat above water, and Jesus is just sleeping. And maybe you're, maybe you're there right now in your life, like your life is chaos. Everything around you has gone to pot, and you're looking around, and you're shoveling every day, just trying to keep your head above water. And somewhere deep inside your mind, you say, God, where are you right now? Right? You ever been there? I've been there. Right? When my life goes bad, when my marriage goes sideways, and it does sometimes, right? I'm, I'm nice, but not as nice as I should be. And sometimes things go sideways between me and the great Mrs. Higginbotham. And, and she says, I've had, I'm tired of you. And I'm like, no! <laughs> Right? And then the, the waters go crazy, and I, and, I, and I can't keep my head above water. Maybe work's bad. Right? When work's bad, everything else is bad. Right? You come home, and you kick the dog, and you still don't feel good. You feel bad for the dog all of a sudden. Right? Don't kick your dog. Okay? Don't kick your dog. But you know, when things are bad, we look around, and we say, God, where are you? Especially if you've been doing the right thing. Right? Sometimes you're the victim of other people's stupidity. Ever been there? Right, everyone else around you is stupid, and you're like flying straight. Like you got the book, and you're like, this is what it says I should do. And so you're like doing everything right. Everything around you is chaos. And in those moments when we think we're doing everything right, and we feel like we're, we're following the way we're supposed to follow, at the end of it, when we're done with it, right, we look and we say, God, where are you? Like I'm in the middle of this storm, and you're nowhere to be found. You're probably sleeping down below. And, and sometimes we feel that way. We cry out to God in prayer, and we don't feel a response back to our prayers, and it is a terribly challenging time. If you're there right now, I want you to know, God has not left you. Right? Jesus didn't leave his disciples. There was a time, right, there's another story, right, where like Jesus isn't with his disciples, and things are chaotic, and then he comes walking across the water, right? 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 We have that story, but in this story, like Jesus is there. He's nearby. He's accessible to them. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that God is accessible to you today. He's not far from you. And he doesn't desire for you to perish in the midst of the chaos of your life. Call out to him. That's what the disciples did. They went down and they freaked out and they shook him out of bed. And they said, don't you care? Don't you care that we're all about to die? What are you doing sleeping down here? I don't know what they thought Jesus was going to do. Right? Jesus is a carpenter's son who's a teacher. Right, this is a, I was, I went into a Sunday school class today, and uh, Paul Clark was, was, he has a, he was having an issue with his, like his lighting system on his RV, right, and so he's asking, he's, he's like, he just wants to kind of, I think you just want to verbally process the, the situation a little bit, and so he's verbally processing to me, like his mechanical problem, and right now Billy Gray's like, mm, mm, not a good decision to verbally process to Matt, his mechanical problem, right? Like, because I, like, I understand some things, but like, I'm not, I'm not as handy as Paul Clark is on working at that RV, right? I'm not going to give him any great wisdom. I don't know what the disciples thought they were going to get, 
from a carpenter's son who's a teacher. Because they didn't expect to get what they got, but they, I guess they just wanted him to freak out with them, right? Sometimes we just want people to, to share in our chaos a little bit, and so we, we share. But they wake Jesus up, and they say, don't you even care? We're all about to die. And Jesus, you know, wakes up and gathers the situation, probably in a matter of a millisecond or two. He rebukes, right? He rebukes the wind and tells the waves to peace be still, or maybe vice versa. I don't want to no, I got it right. Okay. Yeah. So he rebukes the wind and he tells the seas to peace and be still. And those words right there, the words of the recently awoken savior of the world are the words that we need to hear. Guys, in the chaos of our life, I want you to know that we have a God who can bring peace to any situation. And peace doesn't always mean happiness, right? Like, like when there's been chaos for a long period, I'll think about my marriage, right? When my marriage has gone through tough seasons, and it has, um, when we've gone through difficult seasons, there's been a moment, and it, it, it's typically been a moment where like all of a sudden I recognize like the chaos is done. Like what was chaos is done, and now somehow God has spoken peace into this situation, but our marriage isn't healthy, right? There's still some work to be done. Jesus' disciples were still in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at this moment. They weren't to their destination. They weren't experiencing the totality of the trip being over, but the chaos was done. We have a God who can bring an end to the chaos and allow us to get to the other side of whatever we're in. So if you're walking through something with your spouse, if you're walking through something with your boss, if your next-door neighbor is throwing dog poop into your yard, whatever it is that's going on in your world, by the way, that's a, I've shared that story, I think, right, about the guy in my last church who was throwing dog poop in his neighbor's yard. Don't do that, right? But, but the idea is, like, wherever you are, no matter how chaotic it is, no matter how bad it is, Jesus Christ is able to bring peace to that situation. And he does it with just a word. He just says, peace, be still, and everything is calm for a moment. Some of y'all just need some calm in your life. God is, a God is a God who brings peace to those who are in chaos. So if you've been going through chaos this month, you've been going chaos this year, or if you're looking to about to go into some chaos, because you know you've got some things coming down the pipe, I want you to know God brings peace to those situations. One of the titles that Jesus wears on himself is he's the Prince of Peace. It means that wherever he goes, peace tends to follow him. And so what is our responsibility? Well, we have a couple things that we need to do. First of all, we need to be like the disciples. You know what's neat about what the disciples were doing? They were with Jesus when chaos happened. Right? If they hadn't been with Jesus when chaos happened, you know what would have happened? Their boats would have broken into pieces and they would have been on the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. That's the way that story would have gone. But Jesus told them, let's go to the other side. He got into the boat with them, and he went with them. There's a lot of people I know who go through life, they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and their life is chaos, and they get smashed against the rocks, and then they're constantly trying to pick the pieces back up themselves. There's no victory there. Uh, Christian, I want you to know we have peace because Christ comes with us. If we're not with Christ, if we're not where Christ wants us to be, there's not necessarily going to be peace. I think about Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah's a pretty, pretty, pretty good story. And Jonah goes out. And you know why Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish? Now, y'all, y'all may know this, but it's a pretty simple story. God said, I want you to go here. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to go here. And on his way to here, 
when he went the opposite direction of where God wanted him to be, God said, well, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and make you, make you figure out how to get over here. And since Jonah wasn't where God wanted him to be, Jonah ended up in the bottom of the sea, swallowed by a fish, waiting for deliverance. And in that moment, came to his senses, prodigal son style, came to his senses and called out to God. And God brought him where he wanted him to be. But when you're not with God, you're in danger. And so if you're walking through your life right now without any uh, like awareness or thought about where God wants you to be, you should know you're walking through your life in a very dangerous manner. You're, you're, you're trudging uh, slowly and dangerfully towards the edge of a cliff that you don't need to go to. Wherever Christ says to go, we go. And when we're there, he'll take care of us. That doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. I know some missionaries who've been very faithful, right? Stories of missionaries who've been very faithful. They go where they're supposed to go, and they end up dead. Right? I mean, you think about Jim Elliott. If you know the story of Jim Elliott, went down to South America. Uh, God said, go to reach these people. He built a relationship with this uh, tribe. Then he went out to go evangelize the tribe, and they murdered him and the people who were with him. That's the story of the missionary hero, Jim Elliott. He went where God wanted him to go, but in the end of the, and at the end of it, he died. And we said, well, where was God in that situation? Where God was is in the big picture of that situation. That big picture of that situation led to the, what, the salvation of those tribesmen, right? Those people were, were introduced to the gospel through Jim Elliott. His wife came back uh, years later, shared the gospel with them. Those, the, the, the men who literally killed her husband. We're, we're confessing that to her, crying out for forgiveness and reaching out to Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the end of that story. We don't know where our story is. So I'm not promising you rosy life today. But I will say, wherever God tells you to go, He will provide you what you need to get where He wants you to be. And that may be through some tough waters. I use Psalm 23 a lot. I use it because I do funerals more often than I like to do. But one of the parts of Psalm 23 Right, is that, 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 that he, uh, even though he, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the idea is that God takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's leading you there. Isn't that scary? Right, sometimes we think like, that's a, like we, we end up in a bad situation, but God is the shepherd taking the sheep to this place that's dangerous. So now God takes us to dangerous places, but he'll deliver us through those places if we're with him. Problem is, a lot of us, we go to dangerous places and we don't go with God, we go with ourselves and we wonder why our life is chaos out here. We have no peace. We have no peace because we're not where God has told us to go. And so if you're here today and your life is chaotic, I want you to do kind of a quick self-evaluation. The question I want you to ask yourself is, are you where God wants you to be? Are you generally where God wants you to be right now or are you not generally where God wants you to be. And if you're where God wants you to be, I want you to know you have peace because God is with you. You're where you're supposed to be. It's going to be okay. And Jesus Christ, through just saying a word, can bring peace to any situation. Any situation can have peace through the power of Jesus Christ. And we, church, what we're called to be, one of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, right? It says, blessed are the peacemakers. For there will be called sons of God. The ways we look like Jesus Christ is by bringing peace to the world around us. And so we share peace so that people can receive it. So not only do we get to receive peace through our hard times, we get to be the people who bring peace to others in the midst of their chaos. That's one of the, the beautiful things about groups and churches. 
One of the reasons I, I'll hit small groups every single Sunday as long as I can is that inside of a small group, inside of a Sunday school class that's doing what it needs to do, those sort of smaller sections of church life, man, we get to experience the support of other believers and we get peace given to us when we don't have it, right? Because the person next to us can bring a word to us that, that, that was exactly what we needed in the moment that we needed it. But a lot of us, we try to do life kind of solo, right? Or just me and my wife or me and my child. And we think that if we do life by ourselves, that somehow we're going to be okay. And I want to say, you can survive that way, but you're never going to thrive the way God wants you to. Get involved in a group somewhere. Get involved with a group of believers who know Jesus Christ and who want to, 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 to love you like Jesus loves you. And if you do that, you'll experience peace through life situations. And also, you'll get to be the person to give someone that peace at some point. Your words of your life experience from your knowledge of who God is can change someone's life. Some of y'all are not in a small group and, and you think, well, I don't know, what would it do for me? What would a Sunday school class do for me? It's not really about what it does for you. It's what it does for us. It's not, it's not just about you. Right? Like, I don't, I don't care if you don't get anything out of teaching. If you were to come to my Sunday night small group um, at 6.30 at the Hills House, um, if you were to come out there, uh, you'd be like, man, Matt, there wasn't much teaching there. And there's not. I talk a lot on Sunday morning. A lot. Some of you are like, wow, no joke. Right? I talk on Sunday morning. I teach on Sunday morning. I give a lot of words on Sunday morning. On Sunday night, I don't talk a lot. Right, I read the. I don't even read the Bible. I make y'all read the Bible, don't I? I very rarely do I even read the Bible. I make my group read the Bible, but like I don't. I don't do a whole lot of talking. I do a little bit of facilitating. I do a little bit of encouragement, and then we're done. It's it's thirty minutes of Bible stuff, but there's an hour outside of that thirty minutes of just kind of being together, building each other up, talking about what we need to be praying about, and then talking about what we were praying about the week before, being friends with one another. Oh my goodness, how important is that? But you know the reason that I do it that way, the reason I don't say, let's sit down and have an hour and a half Bible study. First of all, I don't really want to sit down and do an hour and a half Bible study um, with my small group. But even if I did, even if I did want to do an hour and a half, sit down, let's study the Bible for, for 90 straight minutes together, I wouldn't be able to give to people what they need, and they wouldn't be able to give back to me what I need. I need, I need other people. God created us for community to build each other up, and we give peace to one another. As if you're living a life and you don't have peace, I want you to look around. Not only to look, are you with God, but are you with God's people? And I don't mean it's Sunday morning. Sunday morning right now at between 10.30 and 11.30-ish, um, right, this time period that we're in right now is not the best time because you're all sitting in rows staring up at me. Right? And I, don't, like, I, don't, I, I get to look at you and see whether or not you seem interested. Some of y'all seem interested. Thank you. Um, <laughs> right? I get to look at you, but I don't get, you, you don't get to give back to me. Right, unless you give me an amen, which I don't get. Thanks a lot for that. Hey, there it is, someone back there. <laughs> right, right. But y'all don't get to give back to me. You just kind of receive. It's like a lecture. You just kind of receive the word of God, and it's a good thing. I, I enjoy it actually. Um, it's the first time people listen to me all week. Children. <laughs> no, I do enjoy it, and I think it's good for us to receive sermons, but I also think it's important for us to be able to give back to one another to pour in and out of each other's lives. And that's Christian community. It happens in small groups. It happens in circles, not in rows. We're sitting in rows right now, so it's tough to, to develop real community here. We'll go next door, 
we'll have some of that at our Valentine's dinner. And the third thing is, guys, not only are you where Christ wants you to be and are you with Christ's people, but do you have faith that God can handle these things? A lot of times we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're, we're, we're with God's people. We're, we're, we think we're where God's supposed to be, where God wants us to be. I don't really expect that God can solve the problem. Right? Whatever it is, financial problems, friend problems, marriage problems, whatever it is you're working through right now, we don't really think God can solve it or will solve it. Maybe, he, maybe we, we acknowledge He can because God can do all things, da, 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 but we don't really think He will. And so we live in a constant state of doubt about whether or not God's going to do what, what we need done. And if that's you today, I want you to know, like, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you've been, no matter what, what chaos there is, God's got this. Like, this situation that you're in isn't unique. It's unique to you, but it's not unique to the history of mankind. And God understands it. God understands dealing with, with, with you know, aging. I mean, how, how terribly difficult is aging? My wife just had a birthday this year, right, or just this week. She's older than I am right now. It's tough. Right, but some, some of y'all are dealing with, with legit aging, right? Like our, your mind isn't as sharp as it used to be, and your body isn't as strong as it used to be. And, and in the midst of that, sometimes fear can creep in, and we think, God, can you, can you take care of this problem? I mean, chaos. And doubt creeps in and faith goes out. And we look at the words of Jesus Christ to his disciples. After he tells the winds and the waves of peace and be still, he looks at his disciples and says, guys, don't don't you have faith yet? We're on this side of that story. We know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus Christ is going to go to the grave. We know he's going to die. We know he's going to raise again. The thing that doesn't get done is going to happen in the person of Jesus Christ. And at the end of that story, At the end of his story, salvation comes to mankind. Guys, we know that Christ does that, but sometimes we live our lives faithlessly. And here's how you examine whether or not you're living faithlessly. Are you always trying to solve the problem? And I'm not saying not not like check your brain out and just close your eyes and Jesus take the wheel like you're going to crash into the rail, but, but like are you always trying to solve the problem? The problem that is so big, and you say, if I work a few more hours, then I'll be able to pay my bill, and then I'll be able to do this thing. Or are you constantly trying to solve the problem? Or at some point, are you allowing God to say, God, I don't really know the answer to this problem, and I'm going to trust that you're going you're to bring that to me. And you just cry to God. And then you work inside of God's will, right? There's a faith and works come together a lot, right? So don't just trust God that he's going to take care of your financial problem and stop going to work. Right? You go to work, Go to work in faith that God's going to solve the problems that you face. Some of you face issues at work every day that are difficult to solve. I think about teachers. But every day you're dealing with difficult situations and difficult issues. It's tough. And you think, if I, if, I, if I get this reading plan and this thing and this thing and this thing, you go through all the textbooks and all the things you've got to do and say, if I do all these things for this one kid, somehow it's going to happen. And, and you think you can solve it, but really we just need to trust that God can take care of it. I mean, give the reading plan, do your best work, but, but at the end of the day, hand the results over to God. God is good. 
He cares for us. That's all throughout Scripture. God is good. He was good yesterday. He'll be good today. He's good tomorrow. He's good to you. Have faith. Guys, fear is a, fear is a dangerous thing because it leads us to make stupid decisions. Right? Fear of missing out is why we, why we do all sorts of things or why we don't do other things. Right? I can't commit to go to this thing because someone else may invite me to this thing. Right? We're so scared. We're paralyzed by fear. I want you to live in freedom today. Fear should not drive you, church. It shouldn't drive you. Faith drives us. Go where Jesus Christ says to go. Be with Jesus Christ's people. Right? Go where, where he says, be with his people and live with faith. Understanding that faith is the opposite of fear.